activating virus defenses. Prepare to download. Welcome. Hello, this is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And I'm Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. And you're listening to the official podcast for the 25th Annual FIRST Conference, held June 16th through 21st in Bangkok, Thailand. For more information about FIRST, please visit www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. This time on the show, I'm talking to Jake Coons from the Open Security Foundation. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problems. Um, Really interested to, to learn a little bit more about your talk at the upcoming FIRST conference. The title is The Mayans Were Right, A New Age of Data Breaches. Interesting topic, uh, and certainly it's something that uh, is quite close to a lot of people's hearts, I can imagine, for 2012 and 2013. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about at the conference? Yeah, I'd love to. The Mayans title is pretty catchy, though, right? Got to admit okay, that. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, it feels like every year we're discussing with people or there's reports coming out about how this is the year of the data breach and, you know, 2012 didn't, didn't disappoint. So while the end of the world may not have happened, uh, it still was a, a pretty important date and we saw just a, a huge rise of, of, of data breaches. You know, it sort of seems no matter what new shiny security appliances out there or what new security companies are out there or what the new flavor of the uh, risk management controls or ideas are, we're not really seeing a, a slowdown in, in data breaches. And so th- this talk, we're pretty excited to, to, to bring to the audience some real-world data and some analysis to try to help everyone understand what's going on and, and maybe some you know, what would be the best things moving forward to focus their security programs on. Now, you've been tracking quite a lot of these statistics uh, as part of the, the Data Loss DB project that uh, Open Security Foundation runs. How long have you been tracking this information? Yeah, so, so the Open Security uh, Foundation, for those that, that don't know, is a, a nonprofit organization that's been around for, wow, I think over 10 years now. And we track all sorts of, of data, whether it be about vulnerabilities or cloud issues or, or data breaches um, and uh, recently security conferences. Um, so we've been we've been tracking um, I'd say data breaches probably since the 2005 time frame pretty pretty uh, regularly doesn't mean that we don't uh, go back further you know we'll, we'll anything that we can find on on a data breach or any kind of information we'll, we'll add it to our collection um, and yeah we're trying to do a couple things you know we're trying to raise awareness uh, that breaches do happen um, there's really no need to use the FUD and scare people. Uh, that the reality is is that uh, we're still having significant security problems and 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 really when you when you're able to talk about a specific example you know a specific company or or within the right industry or a similar industry to yourself it hit it hits home a lot more than just saying hey there's these things that can come get you don't, don't go into the woods because there's bad things out and that'll get you so we're we're pleased that you know this this particular um, um, well I won't say pleased about what we have but we do have a lot of data this year. 2012 was was the largest amount of breaches that we've ever tracked about 3,072 breaches. Um, that's about a 150 percent increase over uh, 2011, which everyone thought was the year of the data breach. So we're seeing 
just breaches absolutely continue to increase. And, and again, this is only what we're aware of. So the, the problem probably is much more significant than we're even able to capture. I guess that's maybe a problem with the with the data set going back to 2005 and 2006. People, from from my knowledge, weren't really reporting data breaches at that yeah, time. Yeah, you know, several things. Um, you know, now we have regulatory laws and and many countries that that you must report a breach. Uh, so a lot of a lot of that has has helped us get more information. But you know, it's not only just that. Uh, we're, we're starting to see a a, a huge change into more hacking events and uh, people now are are uh, getting data and then just dumping it on sites like Pastebin and, and others. And so in many cases, it, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with, say, companies reporting it to. We're, we're actually seeing you know, raw data of, of, of breaches that happen as well. I mean, do you think that's a fundamental change in the way people are, are exploiting websites now? Because, I mean, in 2011, it could easily be that there were twice as many breaches, but people who've extracted information from websites or from companies simply weren't at that time dumping them on Pastebin. In 2012, it was more of a more of a yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's definitely hard to say. And, you know, for, for those that are uh, really into data and, and metrics and whatnot, we always get into these conversations about, how good is a data set and, and can you rely on things? But at the end of the day, we, we believe, whatever the answer may be, we're trying to make decisions. We're trying to make the best decisions that we, that we possibly can and, and do the right things with our security budgets. Every organization you know, has a, a certain amount of resources that they can put towards this. And we typically tend to hear uh, or tell organizations, you need to do all this stuff. And it's, it's just a huge amount of, you know, whether it's a regulatory compliance uh, thing that you have to meet or, or just what best practices are, it, it's pretty overwhelming. So what we're, what we're trying to say is, you know, with the data that we have, we should start having more evidence-based, risk-based, you know, approach and using evidence-based risk management to look at what's happened, try to determine what, what we think is going to happen and then, uh, then apply towards it. So it's hard for me to say, you know, was there any other single year that had more breaches and were just made aware of them? It, it very well could be the case, but it, you know the the fact is is what what we're able to see right now is just massively on the rise. So I guess it's uh, looking briefly at the statistics. It seems to have been rising year on year. It seems to be quite obvious that it's getting worse and worse every year. And 2013 will very probably continue to follow that. Well, um, so we're. What mid-April now and 2013, we've already seen 665 breaches. You know, one of the interesting things that 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 we have seen over the years is that sometimes we'll see, a, you know, what appears to be a lag in reports of breaches, as well as our ability to to, to get information about them and, and then enter them. So we would have had this conversation maybe you know three four years ago. It would we were having the conversation that hey, things look like they're on the the decrease. It looks like. Uh, breaches are going away. And, and, you know, we didn't believe that, but we were trying to figure out what was going on. And ultimately, uh, it just turned into sort of a, um, a little bit of a, a lag time from the time that we were able to get the information. So in, in general, I think what you can take from the data set is that the problem is not getting better when it comes down to it. We, we're still struggling with getting our arms wrapped around a how to implement a you know a, a, a solid security and risk management program at any size and in any industry at this point. I guess one of the problems that that I see is that the information that we're we're getting from breaches, at least the information that I've seen, is very 
interesting. You can put a number to it and say 150,000 records. Okay, that's great. You could say which which kind of vertical it was in. It was in a financial vertical. But they're not coming out and saying, and it was due to a SQL injection error in our web banking portal. Or it was due to a phishing email, and here's a copy of the phishing email. We're starting to get that kind of information. But historically, it's just been, we've been exposed. We've lost records. Sorry, here's a, here's a free credit check. <laughs> exactly. Is is that is that improving or or is that still still the state? In some work? areas, it's improving. You know, I, again, I think we're encouraging people to share more information. Uh, there's still a lot of folks doesn't doesn't matter where you're, what country you're in or what industry you're in that are leery about sharing oversharing information. Yeah, well, there's kind of a stigma, isn't there? This is like we've been hacked, and this is how embarrassing it really yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, some of the stuff is absolutely embarrassing. We also have seen, you know, originally we were telling folks, hey, you know, report as soon as possible. Absolutely, the second you have a breach, go ahead and let everyone know. And then people started to do that, and then they were, you know, having crushing financial problems due to that. I mean, and you can see why. I mean, let's say I'm a, an organization and I have a, a million clients, and first couple hours after the breach happens, we think that everyone was impacted. So then we go ahead and send out notifications and monitor everyone, come to find out that it was a very small breach, right? So why did we do that? So, you know, we're, we're trying to balance things from sharing information to help people get better. And organizations are also trying to also, you know, protect themselves financially. You know, data has become the new gold for making decisions. You hear big data, you hear all this this stuff about better intelligence, but you know, there's liability that comes along with this data as well. And and I, I think folks are trying to, at any organization, are trying to get their heads wrapped around how, how do we do this the right way. With that thought in mind, I mean, how how can we, as the the first community, as cert teams, help companies to 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 be better prepared and to to better plan what they are going to do in the event of a breach? Because obviously, almost every company at some point is going to be breached. If you don't think you're going to be breached, then you're probably a candidate that's going to be breached. How can they improve their preparation? Yeah, so, you know, I, I struggle with that one. Hey, uh, and, and I agree with you that, you know, it's a, it's not a matter of if, it seems to be a matter of time. And, and I think that's unfortunate and that our industry needs to figure out some better solutions than the same old things that we continue to do over and over. And, and we're expecting to see better results. And I think even if you look at our data set or others that are published, we're seeing this, the same fundamental problem. So, you know, I break it down into, I guess, two things. One, I think there's got to be a, a lot more risk management up front to really help people reduce their risk. And, and some of the 101 easy, no-brainer type things that we're continuing to see, you know, you mentioned SQL injections and, and learning out what types of hacking. Well, you know, looking at our data set and what we'll end up talking about is that we believe 72% of all of the things that we tracked last year were, you know, were, were up in the hacking range. And, you know, that that's just, that's just crazy that we're seeing that. And we were starting to see that we are trying to break it down a little bit deeper where possible to see, to see how. And most of them look like they could have been easily avoidable. So better understanding will help, better use of technology, and, and more kind of focus through a better lens of what uh, a security or an organization should do from a security perspective would definitely help. The second part of it is definitely on the response side. And, you know, there's there's two things, you know, being prepared for for a breach uh, and how you're going to respond is is, is critical, um, and it can be done in numerous ways from uh, internal teams that are ready for this uh, preparation on what they would do, as well as um, external 
uh, support. And that can range from external teams to help all the way to the you know, what's getting more and more credibility these days of determining um, that it makes sense to transfer risk. So looking into the cyber liability insurance area to find a partner. But at, at the end of the day, needing to be prepared and having that plan uh, before it happens is, is absolutely critical for organizations. And they're finding, not just because it sounds like the right thing to do, but financially, uh, this is a requirement. If I get what you're saying, it's one of those situations where there's nothing that companies can do to, to really prevent this. I mean, we've come to the, the realization that every company is vulnerable in one way or another if an attacker wants to get in. It's it's simply a case of, of accepting that to make sure that you, you're following best practices, in air quotes, if there is such a thing anymore. Um, and you're doing the basics of, of security right, or the basics of IT right, which seems to be a common thread last year was that a majority of the hacking attacks on, on websites were easily defendable, as you said, and, and most of the time just due to, to bad IT practices. Yeah. So I, I hate to say out loud, uh, it makes me cringe and makes me sad for the security industry that we're telling folks that are coming to us for help to say, hey, do all this stuff, but you're still going to get owned eventually. Um, you know, there, there's there's something wrong with that. And I, and I think that, you know, that's a, a, at an industry what we need to, to figure out. We need to figure out um, how to make it uh, security uh, more affordable, uh, easier to implement, and have better results than, than, than what we're doing. And I would say that I feel like we're using a lot of uh, emotion in these conversations and, and telling people just to do more and more. And, 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 and when a, you know, a company has an issue, whether it's a 101 type no-brainer issue or something else, we're saying, oh, you know, how dare you not have, you know, been able to handle this or you should have had more security resources when 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 I hope that we start taking more of a, a risk-based approach and looking at evidence and trying to make better decisions to help people understand what they should do that will have better uh, success rates. What's well, kind of almost worse than that on certain occasions. I mean, recently we've seen incidents where security appliances themselves have become the vulnerability. <laughs> there's, there's been uh, numerous releases recently where security appliances have, have allowed uh, external attackers to, to gain access to systems. And theoretically, we're selling these products as the silver bullet for your for your organization. Install this and you'll be, you'll be secure, which is how uh, companies are, are viewing these kind of products, even if the salespeople aren't really saying that in so many words. People are viewing this these kind of products as something you must install and you will they'll be secure and it's turning out to actually be the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny to hear you say that and we jump a little bit from breaches to security vulnerabilities but Karsten uh, my my co-presenter of this uh, did some analysis and did some research using our vulnerability data set and uh, has a lot a lot to say about that as well. We we do believe that everything is vulnerable even security software and we're we're seeing quite a few companies that are out there saying, "Hey, install our stuff to protect you," and that ultimately being the the attack surface that's uh, that's there. And it's just a shame that security products are uh, not really implementing what they're preaching to other organizations. Just like every piece of software, every piece of hardware, there's there's always going to be bugs in there somewhere. But you you kind of expect them to to go through that Q and A process a little bit more stringently. Yeah, most most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're while we're talking about vulnerabilities, just to touch a little bit on the OSVDB, are we also seeing the same kind of rises in the number of vulnerabilities being reported alongside the same kind of rises in in 
attacks on websites and uh, data loss, or is that not really correct? Um, you know, we're 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 careful when we say um, vulnerabilities matching to breaches. You know, I think that would be the holy grail of being able to match that up. But you know, we don't want to get too far into the correlate. You know, calls and correlate. We want to want to be clear about what we're saying to folks, but we're seeing. We're not seeing a slowdown in vulnerabilities, and what we're starting to see is a little bit of a shift in many cases. And one of the things that uh, we've been focusing on right now is third-party libraries, and 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 that's that's something that I find pretty fascinating. Every company's under uh, budget pressures these days, and developers are doing their best to deliver solutions uh, as low cost and and uh, as fast as possible. And we're seeing more and more. Uh, folks using third-party libraries to solve solutions. So on the surface, it seems fine, but if you're not then monitoring those third-party libraries that you're using and tracking those for issues, you can be delivering um, you know, products that have, that have serious issues. And so now, you know, from everything from a television to your washer and dryer, you know, it's all being inter, you know, interconnected these days. We're seeing more companies that, that, that don't have that security focus trying to uh, develop faster. And so th- I think that's a real fascinating space. Um, the other thing that I'd mention real quick is just we're starting to, starting to see a little bit of site-specific cloud vulnerabilities. And over the years, we have not wanted to track site-specific vulnerabilities. We, we felt that was sort of a line we didn't want to cross. It's, it's one thing to say, here's a Here's a model of a lock, and if you happen to have downloaded this and installed this lock, here's how you know people get by it, so you can improve it. There's another thing to say. Well, here's you know Chris's address, and he has this lock, and do X, Y, and Z, and you're good to go. But with the kind of movement to the multi-tenant cloud, you know it, it matters now that the the gate, you know, the lock on the gate to the the whole community is is X, and and as a as an organization. Being able to know about that helps you make better decisions on you know which cloud providers you should use. So, so we're starting to see a little bit of a shift of vulnerabilities to the site-specific area, and we're starting to track those now as well. So it's always something, it seems. Well, I guess that's going to be a huge load above and beyond what you're already tracking with OSP. Oh, uh, it's you know it's it's um, it's really tough. We haven't had a whole bunch of uh, community support these days, so it's really only through our sponsors that we're even able to uh, keep up with the, with the current load. But we're we're doing our best uh, to still try to provide uh, some information to the community and and trying to find our way in the world of how we can uh, you know maybe have some offerings and whatnot uh, you know to keep us funded. But we're we're doing our best to try to help people understand, and specifically those that that can't afford security really help them understand what they should be trying to focus on to um, help their company. Before I let you go, I know you're, you're busy, but uh, I really wanted to touch on, on one of the newer projects that, uh, that OSF have come out with, uh, the SecCore Info website. Maybe you could just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what the what the service is and uh, how it could possibly be useful for them. Yeah, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, so um, secor.info. We're not always good with naming projects, but we try to do the right thing. And this particular project is sort of a, an acronym, if you will. We call it the Security Organizer and Reporter Exchange. The, the core functionality really is tracking conferences as well as call for papers if you're a speaker. And so what, we, what we've realized is that there are so many conferences and networking opportunities and educational opportunities uh, for people that are 
hardcore into the security world or, or just wanting to start to learn. And this project tries to capture basically everything. And this is uh, worldwide conferences and any bit of conference we can uh, gather, we'll, we'll collect and put it in there. So, you know, the, the usage right now would be you can go to the website, you can you know, look for events that are by you or, or kind of map out your year of what you want to um, uh, attend. And then if you're a speaker or, you know, you're researching something or you have something on your mind that you were thinking about maybe submitting, it tracks all the call for papers dates so that you can um, track those and see when you need to get your submissions in. So, so I'd say those are the, the two core things. There's some other thoughts that, that we're, we're trying to dabble with. And one of the things is there are a lot of great people out there that have a lot, of, lot to offer, but um, you know, a lot of security folks aren't necessarily uh, great uh, PR components and getting press out by themselves. So there, there's some feature in there that um, we have. It's built out, but it, it does need some work. Uh, but you can sign up as, I hate to say it, Chris, because your eye will twitch, but an expert. If you uh, sign up in there, um, you basically just have a little profile that says what you know about. And if and if a reporter or someone comes to the site and, and they're looking for someone that, that knows about a, a certain security aspect that, that, that you're able to speak on, that they can contact you. So we're trying to also make it so that it can help people that are looking for information, find the right people, and the people that really have a lot to you know, a lot of great things that they're doing, uh, but but maybe don't have a, a way to figure out how to get the word out to kind of have a, a, a exchange where we can match them up. So security reporter matchmaker, I guess. <laughs> it sounds good. I mean, it's certainly a site that I go to quite a lot to, to look at the upcoming conferences and there's uh, there's a lot of them. There's a 1,200 Plus, yeah, I think I think uh, over twelve hundred tracked. Um, you know, I think that's all the ones that are in there. But we're seeing a couple hundred conferences a year, and and again with all kind of projects that we do, we're trying to see if if there's any data in here that can help us. So one of the things that aspirationally we're trying to do is to make create some tags about each conference. So you know, um, you know, first would be dealing with uh, incident response and, and whatever it may be. And then we can start to look at, you know, what are these conferences educating on and, and, and where are we trying to, to train our folks up? So we're trying to get some intelligence out of there, too, as we, we, we know that there's a, 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 you know, kind of a lack of, of security professionals to really meet this demand that, that, you know, you can see from all the breaches, we're just not able to get these companies secured quickly and efficiently yet. If uh, people are interested in finding out more about the Open Security Foundation, where, they, where can they go to, to find out more? Well, you can go to, it's a long URL, but opensecuritifoundation.org. That has a link to, I believe, all the projects. But uh, data, you know, for this particular talk, datalossdb.org would probably be the best. And you can um, check out in there some real examples of, of breaches. And you know, again, if you ever run into... Uh, a meeting with someone they, where they can say, well, that could never happen to us, or who loses backup tapes, or who loses laptops? No one does that. Well, you can go in there and, and, and get some examples to have, a again, a data-driven conversation. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to come on and talk a little bit about uh, your presentation. And uh, thanks especially for, for your work in uh, regards to Open Security Foundation. I hope that uh, the people will, will hear the podcast, go to the website and uh, support uh, what you guys are doing, because I know it's a, it's a good cause. And someone really, really needs to keep track of these things, because there's just so much going on right now. Uh, one person just can't keep track of yeah, it. Well, I appreciate the time. And uh, if anyone's listening and 
and they're wanting to become a sponsor of our Secor project, we're definitely looking for some uh, assistance there to take that project to the next level. So thank you for your time and uh, definitely appreciate the support. Great. Well, well, see you in Bangkok. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 25th Annual First Conference in Bangkok, Thailand. Hope to see you in Bangkok, folks.